it up to Jesus today. He's worthy. Amen. 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 Well, here's the deal is that we're talking about the three chairs and, and, and moving ourselves towards being a guy that's in that first chair. That first chair is the chair of commitment. Amen. Where uh, we are fully, 100% all in with Jesus. Amen. That's the life. Living the life we're meant to live. Uh, you know, Jesus said in John 10, in uh, verse 10, he said, I've come that you might have and enjoy life in abundance to the top till it overflows. More life than death, more peace than chaos, more hope than sorrow, more provision than lack, more health than sickness. Come on, somebody. Uh, that's the life. But I got to tell you something. That a lot of people are under the impression that, well, you know, if I just raise my hand, put my name on a card, you know, that, uh, you, you know I got it made. No, I got to tell you something. Christian life, living a committed life. Is not easy. Well, I thought you said all I had to do is pray. That's what we told you to get you to raise your hand. Today's full disclosure Sunday. Now you got to get your big boy pants on and, and jump in with, with everything you've got, and you got to give it. You got to give it everything. You got to engage. And commitment is not easy, which is why so many people live in the second chair, and that's the chair of compromise. And, and you know what? Here's the deal is that if you're compromising one area of your life, you have to understand that it's probably leaking into other areas because you cannot consistently perform a task that is inconsistent with your character. So you, you, you have this thing in you that, that just is always going for the easy way, you know, and, and uh, you end up separated from the very thing that God's dropped in your spirit. See, when God's dreaming about you and talking to you about your future, you know, he's, you know in Jeremiah 29, 11, ever heard that one? He said, I have got plans for you, declares the Lord. And, and have you ever thought about this, that if God has plans for you, Man, I got news for you. They ain't little tiny, any bitty plans. God's got a big plan for your life. And, and in order to get to that plan, you know, you, you, you can't be, you know, vacillating between two voices. You got to just say, you know, as for me and my house, we're serving God. So many people, you know, they're, they're sitting in that chair of compromise. And, and, uh, uh, and it's in just, well, it's just in that, that area over there. You've got to be careful because when you start justifying your compromise, you're actually moving over to complacency, that third chair. You say, well, that doesn't matter. You know, that, it doesn't matter that, that, that I'm not all in in that area. Well, no, it's going to end up infiltrating your entire life, and you're going to end up in, in, in a slide away from the position that God's called you to be in. Have you ever noticed, and this is just a rant, okay, I'm just like on a rant, uh, uh, but ha- have you ever noticed that when, when people get under pressure and, and uh, uh, you know, and, and the schedule gets busy and, and chaos comes in, has that ever happened to anybody in the room? <laughs> Come on, that happens to us all. And have you noticed, though, that a lot of people, when they get under the pressure, what they tend to move away from is the things that they were called to. You know, they got their hands so full of other things. See, there are some things that you were called to. See, and uh, guys, you were, you were called to be the, the head of your house. You know, you're the leader there at that, at that house. You can't move away from that. That's your calling. You know, ladies, you were, you were called of God to, to be the helpmate for your husband. Yeah, that's your calling. It's not a burden. It's a calling. You know, uh, mom and dad, you, you're called to be parents. You can't, you can't shift away from that and, and, and blame it on, well, we're just so busy. No, there's other things that you got going that you got to get rid of so that you can answer your 
call. Because your appointment, it's an appointment. It's kind of like the, the, the office of the president. You know, that's an appointed office. And he has great authority, great power in his appointment. But after he, you know, after he fulfills that season in life and he moves out of that appointment, there's a whole lot of power and authority he no longer has. Why? Because the power and authority belongs to the appointment. And what the enemy's trying to do is bring life and, and to press you and to, and to crush you and, and to, uh, you know, the prefix dis means to push or press out of. And the enemy's trying to disappoint you. So that you, you, you get moved out of your position of authority, out of your position of anointing, out of the place where you have power. And, and you're just feeling bad because you're sad. No, you're not sad. You're disappointed. And now you have no authority. Well, how did that happen? Well, you took on a bunch of care that was not yours responsibility. Have you read the verse, uh, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you? Have you ever been really weighed down and you had all kinds of care and you went to the altar, you went to a time of prayer, you prayed and you left the room and it felt like it was heavier than it was when you got there? Well, what's up? How, God's word ain't working. No, it says casting all your care. You can't cast that other care because that other care ain't yours. You can't give something that does not belong to you. So you've taken on all kinds of stuff and you're trying to carry that and it's crushing you. And what God's waiting for is, is, is for you to admit well, this isn't mine. See, a lot of us, uh, what we have to learn is that we have to hear God. We have to obey God. We have to trust God. But we cannot be God. That's his role. And, and let me tell you where we get messed up in that. Most, most of the time, we, we get me, and, and again, that you cannot consistently perform a test that's inconsistent with your character. So once, once you get started in one area, now you, you carry it out everywhere with you. But it really births in our family. When we start being God to the people we love the most and we trick ourselves by saying, well, I just love them so much and I care about them. Yeah, but see, they need to depend on God, not on you. And as long as you're there, quite often, shoot, they don't need God. Well, come on, he's preaching good now. Everybody looking at me like a calf staring at a new gate. I can't believe he's saying that. I mean, this is the family that God gave me. Right, they're God's kids. Guess you're going to have to have courage, Mom and Dad. God ain't never let you down. He won't let them down either. But they'll never learn to trust God if all they have to do is put their hope and trust in you. And all of a sudden now, your kids are seated on the throne of your life. Their parent is seated on the throne of theirs. Okay. Start the car. Okay. Ephesians, Ephesians 1. Let's read some Bible. Ephesians 1. For this reason, and here's the reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord and your love towards the saints. So there's a reason. For this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers. You know, some of us ought to just start here. You, uh, you know, we're talking about first chair family today. And uh, could, could I just encourage you today that maybe it's time for you to start to give thanks without ceasing. Come on now. Just, just give. I do not cease to give thanks for you. 
I'm making mention of you in my prayers. Have you heard that country western song that says, I'll be praying for you? Now I'm going to pray that your truck breaks down and your house catches on fire and the cat dies. And, you know, I'll be praying for you. <laughs> no, that's not the prayer he's talking about. Verse 17. For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Insight into the mysteries and secrets. You know, what are you praying for your house? Man, I'm praying for my boys that the eyes of their understanding be enlightened, that they might know the hope of their calling. Look at this next verse, verse 18. Having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you. There's a call on your life. We're praying for you that, that you would have a revelation of the call that's on your life so you could fulfill the call that God has. And how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints, his set-apart ones, his set-apart ones. Remember Jeremiah 1.5 that he said, before I formed you, before I squeezed you into a mold, I knew you. I had a dream. God's saying, I had a dream about you and your future, and that's what's motivated me to shape you and squeeze you into the mold I've put you in. And I've sanctified you or set you apart, distinguished you from every other person on the planet, and empowered you with the authority to accomplish the very thing for which I called you. You've got to understand something. If you ever step into your calling and really, really begin to flow in that, you can't fail. Why does the enemy want you taking on so many other things? Because out there you can sink like lead. But in, in the thing that God's called you to, when you just be who God's created you to be, no weapon formed against you can prosper. If God be for you, who can be against you? Right? I mean, you got to understand this. That if, if God is for me, not, I mean, my true image, me, the real me, not my projected image, that's not the real me. Not my perceived image, that's a fake me. But the true image, me, if God be for me. God isn't for my projected image. God hasn't anointed my perceived image. When he spoke of Jesus, he said, this is my beloved son. That's my son. And he wants to say the same thing over you. There you go. There's my boy. There's my girl. She has an understanding. Her eyes have been enlightened. Now she knows the hope of her Calling. Look at this verse 18 in the CEV. My prayer is that light will flood your heart and that you will understand the hope that was given to you when God chose you. God chose you. So the enemy's trying to get you to be somebody else who God didn't choose. Oh, come on. I, you know what? We're having breakthrough in the minds of some people this morning. I can feel the anointing all up in here. Okay, uh, you, you know, well, and you get this perceived image and I want people to like me and you living to please people. You're supposed to be living to please God. You, you, you have a mindset of what your coworkers think about you, but have you ever developed a mindset of what God's thinking about you? If you knew what God was thinking about you, you would care less what your coworkers thinking about you. Ephesians 4, I therefore, starting at verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I'm begging you to walk and lead the life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. I'm begging you just to step into the calling that is upon your life. 
You know, sometimes I look around the room and, 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 and I, see, I see stuff on different people. And, and you know, I, I don't know what it is. We get all spiritual about this calling thing. And, and we're thinking, well, yeah, I guess we, we're going to have to go to Africa. Trust me, Africa has enough problems of their own. You know, uh, we're we're going to have to do some weird, strange thing. No, you're going to have to be who God's called you to be so that you can take that life and go out into the workplace and take God to work with you. But the enemy's got you all messed up and, and you ain't living in your calling. Listen to what he said. I'm begging you, just live the life that's worthy of the calling to which you've been called with behavior that's credit to the summons to God's service. Living as becomes you with complete lowliness of mind, meekness, unselfishness, gentleness, mildness, and with patience, bearing with one another, making allowances because you love each other. If you would take that verse, here's your verse for this week to just take it and pray it. If we could get this to occur in each and every one of our homes, can I tell you what our homes will do? Our homes will get strong and healthy. I'm just going to live, you know, as becomes you. You know, that's kind of, you know, this, this phraseology, living as becomes you. In other words, what he said, this is what looks good on you. This is, this is what, ever had anybody ask you, does this look good on me? And you said, mm-hmm, and you lied. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, that's great. God's saying, this looks good on you. When you're walking in humility, that's just a teachable spirit. When you ain't acting like you know everything. Meekness. Unselfishness. Unselfishness. You know, selfishness. It's got the word fish in the middle. After a while, that stinketh. All right? Selfishness, gentleness, mildness, with patience, bearing with one another, making allowances for each other because you love each other. Not looking for an opportunity to wipe each other out, but covering each other. It's not not going through life with that mindset that says, well, I knew he was going to screw up again. He always screws up. Well, why didn't you walk with him then so he couldn't screw up? Well, if I do that, he'll take advantage of me. How could anybody take advantage when you're giving the advantage? Hard to take advantage when we've given it. Because you love one another. Look at verse 3. Be eager to guard and keep the harmony. Don't be eager to win the fight. It's quiet up in this Presbyterian church. Strive earnestly to keep the harmony and openness that's produced by the Spirit in the binding power of peace. Verse 4 says, uh, here it comes. <laughs> Not very good at that. Uh, okay, verse 4. I didn't give him verse 4. Never mind. Look at verse 12. That's why I didn't come. My fault. Technical difficulty. Man, this is my day. I'm in the wrong key. Verse 12. His intention was... You know, all of this, you go read that chapter in in Ephesians, but all of this, he said, his intention was for the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints. In other words, if you ain't got that, you ain't even fully equipped. You know, and and, and he said, but his intention was that you would be perfected. That, That means that you would be lacking nothing. It doesn't mean that you're squeaky clean, you ain't never made a mistake. It means that you're fully equipped, that you're not lacking. Nothing's missing, nothing's broken, and not that you ain't missing nothing. Everything that pertains to life and godliness, he's given that to you. And that was his intention, so that you could do the work of the ministry, building up 
The body, the church, building up. You know, you just sometimes think that your issue is, is about you and your family. No, it's about the church. God's building a church, and you, in order for us to have a strong church, we got to have strong families. In order to have strong families, we got to have strong, healthy individuals. And it comes down, here's his intention, guys. Check out verse 13. That it might develop until we all attain oneness in the faith and in the comprehension of the full and accurate knowledge of the Son of God, that we might arrive at really mature manhood, the completeness of personality, listen, which is nothing nothing less than the standard height of Christ's own perfection. Let me tell you something about expectations. When God's looking at you, He has not set the bar so low that He has set the bar so high. Why? Because He has empowered you. That's what that grace is for. Because on your own, man, you, you ain't going to make it. But because of the grace of God, he is going to empower you to win and succeed in any given situation. You have what it takes to humiliate hell. Well, where am I going to find it? It's in him. You know, I, I already mentioned this verse earlier uh, where Jesus said, I've come that you might have and enjoy life in abundance to the top, to overflows. We're talking about a crazy good life that God has for us. Crazy good. Look at your neighbor and say, crazy good. <laughs> no, I just need more faith. No, you don't. Just pray for me that God would increase my faith. You don't need to increase your faith. You need to increase your obedience. No, I just I just share a little secret with you. When when the disciples were with Jesus and and uh, and he was talking about offenses and he said, you know, hey guys, get ready, you're going to get offended. It's impossible except offenses are going to come. They're going to come. It's going to happen. And then he talked to to the offenders and he said, you guys, you know, you want to make sure do do your best to not be the offender. You'd be better off somebody you know took you out and buried you in the sea somewhere. I mean, just just don't go around offending people. Then he talked to the offended and he said, and when you get offended, make sure that you. Quickly, quickly, quickly forgive. And they said, well, what if, what if we forgive our brother, but then he comes back and he does the same thing in the same day. What should we do? And he said, well, if he does the same thing seven times in the same day, forgive him. And they said, increase our faith. And he, he went on and he, and he started telling, uh, uh, you know, and, he, and we got the ten lepers. And the, and the, ten, the ten lepers show up, and, 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 uh, uh, and remember he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. As they went. So uh, their obedience brought their miracle. Well, have you ever wondered why that's right after they said increase our faith? Because Jesus was telling them, you don't need an increase of faith. Watch this. When you obey, your breakthrough comes. You don't, you don't need more faith. You need more obedience. See, well, faith is believing regardless of the circumstance. No, faith is obeying regardless of the consequence. That you just do what he said. Well, we got an enemy. That same verse, John 10, 10. The thief comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. He has a strategy to take you out of your calling. To, to disrupt the harmony in your house. Isaiah 32, 18, my people shall dwell in a peaceful habitation, a secure dwelling, a quiet resting place. Well, hell's trying to disrupt that. And today I'm going to, I'm going to, give, you, I'm going to give you the number one strategy that hell uses to pull you out of your calling. You're not called of God. You're never going to find an anointing in arguing. You know, your gift is not fault finding. 
You know, I know my spiritual gift. I can spot problems everywhere. You know, no, that's carnal. The enemy is trying to pull you out of your calling. Let me tell you what his number one strategy is to get you out of your calling, to bring disruption into your house. It's negativity. Just negativity. So I, I want to tell you seven things real quick, and I hope that you're taking notes so you can write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Negativity. There's seven things about negativity that you've got to know. Number one, negativity is a reflection of an inner defeat. A lot of us are under the impression that negativity shows up because of everything that's going on around us. No, negativity shows up because of everything that's going on within us. Uh, when, when, you get, when you get negative, you've got to realize that the thing isn't the issue. You are. So you can handle any situation without going negative. You can, you can handle wrong behavior in, in your children without being negative. You can, you can handle uh, wrong treatment from your spouse without going negative. You, you can handle, uh, you know, being uh, mistreated on the job without going negative. The Bible says, you know how we're going to know that they're mine? You're going to know them by their fruit. And see, negativity is the, is the product, is the fruit of something that's been growing. And fruit comes from seed, Right? The Bible says that the sower sowed the seed, and the seed was the word. Your words are seeds. You know, all we got to do to find out your heart is check out your mouth. Look at Proverbs ten eleven. I love this verse. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life. The violence covers the mouth of the wicked. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life. I got to ask you: Is, is your mouth a righteous uh, uh, well of life, or is it a sewer of defeat? What's coming out of your mouth? Matthew twelve thirty five. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart flings forth good things. Well, you know, you, out, of the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You're just going around flinging forth stuff. Well, is it good or is it evil? See, the thing you've got to understand is you leak. What's in you is coming out. What's in the well, coming up in the bucket. Right? What you got down in there? Well, I'll tell you what, it's not my fault. Yes, it is. And you, what you have to do is you have to get a mindset that I'm going to work, 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 work to get myself healthy. Proverbs 4.23, look at it in the message. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. Let, let me tell you where God life starts. When, when you get your heart and your thoughts healthy. When, 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 you just, when you just decide, you know what, enough of the, of the junk that I've allowed to, to, to hang out in my mind and in my heart, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take uh, uh, authority and dominion. And, and you know, uh, 3 John 2 says, Brethren, I pray above everything else that you might prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Your soul's the way you think, the way you feel, the way you make your choices. I'm going to develop my soul, and my soul is going to get strong and healthy. And negativity never flows out of a healthy soul. So when negativity shows up, I'm just going to use it as an indicator to go to work on my soul. Proverbs 23, 7 says that as a man thinks, that's how he is. 
Well, then stop thinking wrong and start thinking right and be honest with what's happening in you before you decide to shoot your spouse. Don't you think it's weird? Right now in the news, there's so many stories about people who, who, who shot their spouse and then said, well, I thought they were an intruder. In the middle of the night, I heard some creaking around down the hall in the third bedroom, and I shot through the door and took them out. What's your spouse doing down the hall in the third bedroom? Just thought. I'll keep moving. Jeez, you should see your look. Okay. Number two. Number two, negativity will always justify itself. You know what? When the husband gets negative, when the wife gets negative, they very, very, very rarely say, oh, I've been getting negative. They, they start talking about the other one. You know, when, when people get upset in church, it's always, it's always, well, those Christians. Well, it could be you. Proverbs 16, 2 says, all the ways... Of a man are pure in his own eyes. Here's a question for you. What makes you think you are always right? You gotta you gotta be careful. Because without without being alert and aware, guess what you do? You go through life thinking, I'm right. I mean, I hardly ever, 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 ever do anything knowing it's wrong. If I knew it was wrong, I, I wouldn't do it. But I have to have this ability to receive correction, right? Correction isn't bad. If you weren't here Wednesday night, get the tape. Three ways that God talks to you, and one of them is correction. Correction ain't bad. Correction's awesome. Correction will save you a lot of time. You know, if you're headed out of town and you're going the wrong direction, you'd kind of like somebody to say, whoa, 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 we're going the other way. Oh, Yeah. You know, if you start the song in the wrong key, you'd like somebody to say, hey, hey. It's, it's the keyboard. It's the keyboard. It's, it wasn't me. Uh, people tell you you're negative and you think, man, they're so negative. I love, I love what uh, Rick Godwin said. Rick Godwin pastors a church in Texas. And uh, uh, Rick Godwin said that if, if one person tells you you're a jackass, just let it, just brush it off. Just keep going. Just keep going. He said, but if three people, especially if it's three of your friends, if three good friends tell you you're a jackass, buy a bridle. You got to be able to listen, and you got to have people who who have the freedom to speak. You, you got to have somebody in your life that says, wait a minute, you know, uh, 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 because if you're not careful, you know what we, what you'll end up doing is you'll end up lowering. Uh, your your beliefs to align with your experiences. And what God wants you to do is commit to raising your experience to the level of your beliefs. Well, I used to believe that, but it never worked for me, so, so I changed my beliefs? Mm-mm. Now, the Bible says, I will not die but live and declare the goodness of my king. Well, the doctor says you're sick. Well, God says he sent his word and healed me. You know, so uh, my son attended on my words and hearkened on my sayings, let them not depart from thine eyes, for they are life to those that find them, health and healing to all their flesh. I'm taking the word of God. Now, I'm not going to tell the doctor that he's crazy. I'm just going to listen. I'm going to put more trust in what God said than what the doctor said, because I understand I'm, I'm, in a, I'm, I'm in a warfare here, and I realize that this thing's attached itself to my body, but the one who is greater is in control, and so I'm going to begin to speak what God says and get my body to align with what God said rather than decide I'm going to bring what God says down here to the level of my experience. Well, what are you going to do if you die? I'm going to talk to God about it. 
but I ain't, I ain't never going to change my belief. Why? Well, because my soul is anchored in the Word of God. Number three, negativity. God, i got to rush through these. Okay, get ready. Negativity chooses your friends for you. You know what? If you, if you stay negative, pretty soon you're going to be surrounded with negative people. You can find the negative people always. You can go to a massive conference and find the negative people. There's always seven of them in a corner somewhere talking about what's wrong with the conference. You know, uh, if you're not careful, you're going to end up, uh, you know, if, if you get negative toward your spouse, guess what you're going to start hanging with if you stay there? You're going to hang with other people who have been negative towards their spouse. Now, let me rephrase. Other people who have been negative towards their spouses. You know, it, I don't know what marriage number you're on right now. That's not the point. I'm not trying to put condemnation out there at all. But if you want this one to succeed and to fulfill God's plan, then you better act like this one is God's plan. And I'm not going to speak against God's plan. What God has joined together, be smart enough not to rip apart. Hello, somebody. Don't, don't choose people to hang with, you know, well, I'm trying to win them to Jesus. Put out the cigarette, sit down the beer, get out the bar. You ain't winning nobody. Okay. You got to be careful because who you're hanging with, they're going to pull you in that direction. And, and man, I'll tell you what, when, when you're struggling, you won't get around strong people. I'm just going to keep going. I'm not going to give you everything because, because uh, I don't have time, but uh, don't hang around with foolish people. Look at Proverbs 13:20. He who walks with wise men is going to be wise, but the companion of a fool, he's going to be destroyed. Jesus defined who a fool was. He said the wise man builds his house on the word of God. The fool built his house on the sand. Jesus said it. He said if you're not building your life on the word, you're a fool. Well, if you hang with fools, you're going to be destroyed. Well, that guy's really smart and really successful. Yeah, and he's an idiot when it comes to God's Word. Number four, negativity magnifies and distorts the truth. Look at this, Proverbs twelve twenty five. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but the good Word makes it glad. Well, it, I believe that th this is real, though. Look at it, it's real. Well, think about photography and a negative. Everything there is real, it's just... Wrong. All the whites are black and all the blacks are white. Why do you think they call it a negative? You know, depression is, is not of God. And depression changes the way you see everything. You're in Disney World and you're, you're upset because there's long lines. You're in Disney World. You, you just don't see the truth. You know, you, 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 you've got a job, you're not unemployed. Yeah, but they're making me do all kinds of crap. you got a job, you're getting paid to do crap. These kids are driving me crazy. That's a very short drive. No, these kids are a children of God, or, or, the, or the blessing of God. Hello? I got, I got to remind myself to see correctly. I got to stay on top of myself. Don't read all kinds of stuff into somebody else's Facebook post. I was just thumbing through the, the news feed and I saw what you said. 
Okay. Mark 4, 24 says, be careful how you hear. Can I tell you something? I say all kinds of crazy stuff, and it's funny to me. Because people go out, and the one thing that they can remember, he said crap. Did you hear him? I don't think it's right that the preacher says crap. You are negative. You are negative, and I'm here to tell you today that if you don't start seeing it correctly, to him who has shall more be given. So if you got a little crap, wait till the big crap comes. Okay. I feel better. You feeling good? Number five, negativity makes unfair statements and harsh judgments. Just starts making wide sweeping statements. Why? Well, because the smaller your world becomes, the harder you got to work at not viewing others in such a small way. And negativity just makes these unfair statements. You know, and, and you, you know, you, your world gets small because you're thinking about granddaddy. He was a womanizer. And, and uh, uh, dad, he was a womanizer. And, and Uncle Bill and Uncle Joe, and, and they were all womanizers. You can't trust men. You can't trust men. Let me tell you something. That's going to destroy your future. That's an unfair statement. And you're going to have a hard time experiencing God life with a mindset that says you can't trust men. Especially if you're a woman of God that's supposed to be walking with a man of God. Of course, the devil wants you to think you shouldn't trust him. But here's the deal is that if, if you put all your trust in Jesus, Matthew, or Acts 16.31 in the message, put, uh, put your entire trust in the master, then you'll live the life you were meant to and your whole house too. So I just want, to, just want to drop this in your lap this morning and you can do with it what you want. But if you put your entire trust in Jesus... You ain't got no trust left to put in that guy. See, if you took your entire paycheck and put it at U.S. Bank, you wouldn't have a little, you know, mad money that you're putting in Sterling's savings account. Why? Because you put your entire paycheck at the bank. If you put your entire trust in Jesus, why are you worried about who you can and can't trust? I ain't got no trust left for you. All my trust is in him. Hello? Negativity makes unfair statements. Uh, 2 Samuel 6, verse 20. We've got to read this one. NIV. 2 Samuel 6, 20. David's coming home. He's got the Ark of the Covenant. He's been out dancing. He took his robe off, his kingly attire, and he just got down like the, like, like the, like the normal people dancing. Michael, his wife, she sees him coming. He, he comes home to bless his house, and she comes out, and she says, Oh, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today. She's not being nice. It's more like, Oh, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today. He disrobed in the sight of the slave girls like any vulgar fellow would do. <laughs> See, the problem is that she was on the wrong side of the window. He was out where God was moving. She was on the inside. She couldn't even hear the music. She, she didn't recognize that God was doing great things and that he had just conquered and that God had done wonderful things. You, you know what? You, listen, guys, just hear me. Work on it. 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 Grow your soul. Because number six, negativity will negate the work of the Holy Spirit. It says in Acts that you shall receive power 
That's the ability to produce results. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Well, the enemy wants to undermine that power. And the Bible says that the, even the word of God has become of no effect because of the traditions of your life. You, 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 it's just a tradition to be negative. And so now God's word don't even have no power. Negativity will negate the work of the Holy Spirit. Number seven, uh, negativity sabotages your present and, and destroys your future. It just limits all of your future. And you have this God-given future. You do not want negativity to ruin your life. So what do you do about it? Well, you educate your soul. Man, the negativity is everywhere. No, educate your soul. Get in the Word of God and understand, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Quit being negative about you. Quit looking in the mirror and seeing everything that's wrong. Get up every day and say, God, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, O Lord. Look at me, I'm blessed. I'm healthy, I'm happy, I'm anointed. Call to God. That my soul knows very well. Educate your soul. Educate your soul. Don't don't complain about your wife. Know what God says. God says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Hello, somebody. You know, know when to tell your soul, shut up. Not your your spouse, your soul. Sometimes you're going to start saying the wrong things and think the wrong thoughts. Get control, man. Have some dominion. Grow up. Nope, I'm not thinking that way. I am not thinking that way. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to agree with God. I'm going to say what God says. And in Hebrews 6.19, it says, This hope we have is an anchor to our soul. Keep your soul anchored. Well, how? Get in an environment of praise. Go to Philippians 4, start at verse 4 and read through verse 9 and and make that your prayer life. And, and, you know, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord. Hey, before we have this family meeting, let's take some time and just rejoice together. Before we get in that argument at work, I'm going to walk around the building and rejoice and thank God for for the, the, the opportunity to show up here and get paid for my time. And rejoice in the Lord. I'm telling you that if you will increase your rejoice time, you'll begin, you'll begin to limit the negativity that can come in. And instead of being a broken family, you can be a strong family. I said you, you can be a strong family. What's the bottom line for families from the Word of God? That you'd walk with positive life. You'd be positive. Positive agreement with God that you would kill negativity. Amen? Close your book, bow your head, let's pray. Father, I thank you today that you are enlightening us, that you are uh, giving light, revelation, insight.